This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it is Ian. And Guard. And no more Mark. He's gone! (laughs) No, he'll be back Wednesday. He's down in Florida for now. I think he's uh, taking care of... uh, It really wasn't even a vacation for him. He had to go down, and he still owns a house down in Florida, and it's still... It was being rented, and I guess the renters moved out, so he went down and, you know, he's cleaning up, basically, uh, over the weekend. So doesn't sound like a fun weekend for Mark. No, not at all. He's taking care of his pirate booty right now. In fact, uh, what did you see? You saw Pirates over the weekend? I did indeed. Yes, indeed. And what did you think of it? I liked it, and it, it takes a little bit of reflection because it's such a huge movie, Ian, that uh, you got to look back on it to see all the things that they did in it. But it was it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, I just saw the second one over the weekend, and and I enjoyed that as well. It's pretty not good. Not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, and my niece loved it too, which was really good. So, um, so actually, we might be hearing from Mark. He did tell me that he had some sort of a TSA story for us. So that uh, he may call in tonight. <laughs> Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We'll talk about Memorial Day here in a little bit. Uh, also, Gardner, you've got something on the immigration bureaucracy, real ID, and a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. Yeah. Of course, your calls are primary if you make them. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As we go to the phones to start things out, it's Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, yeah. Good evening. I just wanted to uh, continue a train of thought. I, I kind of started discussing something with you guys on Saturday, right? About how our side can win, and phase one is that. I mean, essentially, you you people are like the 19th century newspaper editors. You know, in the war between the states, you had the soldiers and the politicians, but there's also the the very important role of the newspaper editors. You know, trying to persuade their side or or the other side, you know, to stop, you know, discontinue the hostilities. Mm-hmm. You get the maximum possible mileage out of cases where, like, a cop in Toledo, Ohio, got gunned down trying to bust somebody on a curfew violation, or another one, uh, Beckley, West Virginia, last August, trying mm-hmm. to bust somebody for crack cocaine. Right, and you had uh, mentioned, just to recap, phase one on Saturday night, you had mentioned was that uh, people, especially in the media, should f- confront these politicians and say, okay, you want to continue the war on drugs, so you basically want to continue sacrificing uh, the lives of police in order to uh, get your political game, basically. Yeah. Now, phase two is optional, because it, it actually has some impact on what's going to happen instead of you just sitting back and observing and saying look what happened over here look what happened over there you're not going to say anything to incite anybody to take any such actions because you don't need to if a congressman will do it for you you see and what you do is you interview the congressman on the air and have the congressman tell your listeners nothing infuriates me more than when these mere mortals have the nerve to fight back against the great almighty government and see but you didn't say anything to, to tip anybody off uh, you're talking about like somebody like an ed brown that is uh, currently holed up in his house in plainfield new hampshire uh he has been found guilty in government courts of so-called tax evasion and he's basically threatened the um he's threatened to shoot back if they come after him he has not actually threatened to do violent things 
to the government. He hasn't threatened to initiate force it's upon all defensive. them. Yeah. Uh, but he said, if you come and try to arrest me or try to arrest my wife, then uh, then you're going to get some, some lead shot at you, basically. And yeah. so you're saying that if, if something were to go down with the Ed Brown situation, uh, have a politician come on the air, theoretically, and uh, and basically talk about the issue, and you're saying to, to what 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 exactly are you saying to get them to do? That that would tell your listeners that that's the only way to hit the government where it that 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 tactic hits the government where it hurts. But you're not telling anybody to do it. The congressman is telling them what that does is that it hits the government where it hurts. But so, you didn't say it. The congressman would. But that's an optional part of the phase. Phase three is when Operation USA Freedom is in full steam through no action of yours. You didn't tell them to do any of this stuff. Uh, you offer to give the Rodney King speech. You're offering to go on the air and say, enough is enough. It's got to stop. And President Hillary Rodham Clinton says, yes, by all means, do it. I mean, don't you know, 83 cops got killed last night. What are you waiting for? And then you sit back and calmly say, First, you have to call off the war on drugs and release the POWs. And then you have to brace yourself for all this insane fury from the enemies of liberty, because what you're doing, you're in the state capital in Columbia, South Carolina. Now, hold on a second, Tom. Why would 80-something cops die in a night? Well, because the freedom fighters are fighting back. I mean, how, I don't know how many, look how many redcoats got killed in one day in the Battle of Bunker Hill to free the yeah. Americans. You know, in, it's fighting back. Well, you know, Tom, I don't know if that's really an appropriate way to go about all this. I don't think that uh, violence is really going to get you anything more than a uh, than an oppressive crackdown by the state. The state is uh, the state loves violence. It loves it when people get violent. We had uh, a former law enforcement officer, a, a former drug cop on our shows, now an advertiser with us, uh, Barry Cooper at NeverGetBusted.com. Yeah. We had him on the show, and he explained to us that he was so into uh, the adrenaline rush that he that he got as a cop that he would leave his suspects um, cuffs undone he, he just wouldn't put cuffs on these guys because uh, he wanted them to get up and run to he wanted them to flee he, right he wanted yeah. to give them the opportunity to uh, let him be violent with them and so that's what these guys are looking for if people start getting violent with the government if they start initiating force against the state then the, the state's just going to turn that around tenfold on them and then you know these freedom lovers you're talking about they're going to start getting killed and i don't you're know saying- if, i don't know if we're to that point tom i understand that there's a there's an appropriate point where violence is an appropriate response i think that points way 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 off in the future i think that that requires an initiation of force directly by the government one could make the argument that the government is always initiating force when it's threatening you with fines and that sort of thing. Mm. But but to to most people, that's not obvious. Okay, What's going to be obvious is, hey, somebody killed a cop, and that's going to outrage Americans because that's Americans exactly. believe that cops are heroes and they believe that uh, the cops are always the good guy. And so I feel like uh, what you're talking about here is, is not going to be a, a very successful effort. Well, I, I see your point that you fear, uh, but there's... Uh, like about zero possibility that Congress is going to legalize cocaine this year. And are you saying that it's going to reduce the possibility that Congress is going to re- legalize cocaine this year? I think I think what you've got to do is is get that thought out of your mind and say what is the best way to try to convince people that the prohi- prohibition laws are 
counter to a productive society and a free society. And I, I think one of the the way that you don't do it is by bringing up a situation where cops are going to be injured or harmed in, in some way, uh, trying to fulfill what people, many people think are appropriate laws. You have to get people to think that the laws are inappropriate. And I don't think you really add anything to your argument to convince more people that the laws are inappropriate by taking out the guys who are trying to enforce those laws and a number of other laws that people think are appropriate. You can't convince those people. I mean, the vast majority, it's time to face the fact that the vast majority of people are totally brainless, totally ridiculous idiots, except they sure do uh, dislike it when their cops get killed. So this, you know, you shove these dead cops in their faces and say, if you don't want it to keep happening, then stop voting wrong. You didn't pull the no. trigger, but you're all that's going to do, gonna crack all, down harder. Right. All that's going to do, if you start, if people start killing cops, Tom, all that's going to do is make it so that, you know, the cops are going to crack down with martial law. I yeah. mean, they're going to be checkpoints. They're going to be, all of a sudden, there's going to be a lot less freedom uh, that that we had that it's just going to go away because they're, then they're going to have an excuse. Our our officers are being assaulted. They're being attacked. We need to uh, to clamp down. We need more security. Right. And that's not going to that's not going to be very good. And of course, the American people at that point will be calling for it because they'll they'll be scared to death. And Tom, you know, all you have to do is look over the past week here in New Hampshire. There was a police officer killed uh, in the northern section of the state, and that guy. Uh, they had people turn out from other states to come up. They they stopped the presses on all the newspapers for this funeral for this man because he was shot by someone. The people adore their neighbors who are putting themselves in hypothetically in harm's way, even if they are supporting laws. We've got to convince them that particularly the laws that they don't think that we don't think are right need to be taken down. Tom, not thank the you. Cops killed. Thank you for the call. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. If you want to discuss violence versus nonviolence, I'd really like to do that. Coming up. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And guards. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website are completely free, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 235,000 posts and over 1,400 people interacting. It's a lot of fun. There are serious issues and fun stuff being discussed, and it's all for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And do you know if your hard-earned wealth is at risk? If you have a business, there's a one-in-three chance you'll be named in a lawsuit in the next year. And that lawsuit could destroy your business and leave you penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering what you've earned. So go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. That's KeepYourAssets.net. As we go to the phones and to the fun, let's talk to Edwin in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Gard. Hey, Edwin. Edwin in Alabama. Edwin going Hello. once. Hey, how you doing? Hey there. What's on your mind? I just want to talk briefly about Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, I couldn't sure. disagree more. Uh, I thought it was one of the worst movies I've seen in years. The plot was completely nonsensical. And the movie was overly long, much like certain parts of my anatomy after seeing <laughs> Kira Knightley for three hours. <laughs> so yes. you thought it was awful, huh? Wow. Oh, yes, yes. Complete waste of time and money. But wow, but it was nice to see Kira Knightley, wasn't it? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad um, at all. 
moving right back on to nonviolent methods of resistance, I couldn't disagree more with uh, any violence against armed officers of the law or military. Uh, I think that the nonviolent methods of resistance garner more support for our cause, especially in New Hampshire, where there's already a a large community of liberty-minded individuals and hopefully mm -hmm. 20,000 more within the next couple of years. Hopefully. I plan on being there next year. I think we can count uh, on I think we can count on a thousand more within the next couple of years, but down the line, twenty thousand. Huge difference, yeah. Uh, make a huge difference, in my opinion. And uh, the New Hampshire Constitution already uh, already protects the right of the individuals to to overthrow any any would be tyrannical government. Mm -hmm. And I think people respond more to to nonviolent methods of uh, of revolt than to violent methods. One of the nonviolent methods you could engage in is to post bills uh, critical of the government. For example, in the book uh, The Moon is the Harsh Mistress by the late, great Robert A. Heinlein, yeah. uh, the, the created character Simon Jester accompanied almost any anti-government handbill that was posted around the lunar colony. Mm -hmm. And I think similar such things, for example... Uh, Posting a uh, anything anti-drug, anti anti-authoritarian uh, anti uh, around government offices, accompanied with the logo of Simon Jester, would be much more conducive <laughs> to reminding people that the government serves us and it's not their job to tell us what we can and can't do with our own bodies. You know, one of the key things I think uh, I I just I got to mention because when, when Tom brought this up, you know, first thing out the bat. Uh, Tom's talking about killing police officers and how that's going to bring about some sort of a positive uh, reaction. And and uh, respectfully, Tom, obviously, I have to disagree with you. And I think you would probably uh, agree with me. I would agree with you here that uh, there is such a thing as public relations. And what you want to do is you want to get more people to believe what you believe in. And the best way to do that is to show them the positive outcome of your philosophy, not to show them some sort of negatives that can be misconstrued and will clearly be misconstrued because government will use that to their advantage to lock down more. Why would you want to right. kill cops who are our neighbors and trying to uphold the laws that many people think are good laws? It's 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 terrible. It's I, and I can, I can understand the the frustration that people like Tom have with sure. the police. I totally understand it. Sometimes it really can seem like that they're just mindless and that they they do whatever it is they're ordered to do and they don't even think about the orders that they're following. And to be fair, uh, there are cops that are that way. They yeah, don't even yeah. think about it. And and we're supposed to be the civil ones, you know, Ian. We're supposed to be the ones who are upholding hate. I want to be treated as I would treat my neighbor. And uh, even though you have a point at which you're not going to be pushed back, you know, pushing back on, on something like the drug drug war is not going to get you where you want to go. It's going to depict libertarians and freedom freedom lovers as freedom fighters with violence. Edwin? Any other uh, thoughts? I, I agree completely. Uh, in fact, uh, the best thing for us to do is to get together in completely nonviolent protest uh, one of the things I see on NH3.com a lot or on Google Video of NH3.com protests are nonviolent people protesting in front of uh, courthouses or, or jails where NH3 members have been arrested unjustly for petitioning the government for address of grievances. Yes, and yeah. we've seen um, some of that. We've seen some of those protests result in the early release of many of those individuals. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's precisely what I saw on the Google video I watched last night of the Canning, uh, Mr. Canning and, uh, I'm sorry. Dave Ridley, the maybe? Name. Oh, Russell Canning, Lauren and, Canario, perhaps? Yeah, Lauren uh, Canning. I think it was Cat. I'm not sure, but uh, she is yet to be imprisoned. Arrest. Yeah. Say again. Cat uh, has yet to be imprisoned. Uh, I think she was right. arrested once, but she was not. Uh, she has not yet gone to prison. Right. Russell was imprisoned for uh, petitioning the government with regrets uh, of grievances because he disagreed with the IRS funding our war on terror and our war on people, and he went to the IRS to petition them to uh, to to petition the employees to quit their jobs. Mm -hmm. And because he tried to walk past the police officers, he was arrested. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But this kind of protest gives more support to freedom lovers because it lets everybody know that we are being trampled on. Our rights are being trampled on in certain instances. Right. Plus it, it also... Publicity. Uh, right. And not only to get publicity and do all those things, but it also doesn't result in the death of the of the protester, um, typically. That's a great point. Uh, which which exactly. being violent uh, back to the government is is that's a one way ticket to a body bag. You are not going to live <laughs> through that encounter. You might you might successfully kill a cop, but then it won't be long after that until you know all of the the weight of the state, all of the violence of the state comes down on you, and then then we lose an activist. Yeah. And that's I mean it's it's just a it's just a destructive process. These yeah. the cycle of violence. And Edwin, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from. You yeah, at 800-259-9231. And I think this is such an important issue because it's a, I feel like it's a major ideological divide between people in the liberty movement. Yeah, uh, there seem, if, yeah you're right. You know, there, there seem to be three factions, in fact. Really? There, are the, there are the people who uh, are just fed up and favor, you know what, let everything unravel. Okay, and then people they, the people that want to vote light. for more socialism, so the system gets worse. Is well, what yeah, saying? actually, four then. The people who want to vote for more socialism, so the system gets worse and, and collapses under its own weight. The people who want to uh, use violence uh, now and and do something to show people the destructive ends of all of this. The people who are the nonviolent protesters who won't get involved in politics, of mm -hmm. whom we've discussed before, and the people who are perhaps nonviolent protesters and participants in the system, a lot of whom are in the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance here in, in, in the state. The political guys. Exactly. Trying to reverse the, the process that has yeah. been going on for the last couple hundred years. 1-800-259-9231. Your thoughts on violence versus nonviolence. I'm a huge fan of nonviolent revolution. I think that we can do a lot more positively uh, with nonviolence. Does that mean people won't spend time in jail cells? No. People are going to spend time in jail cells, but at least they'll get out and they won't be dead when they're uh, when all is said and done. 800-259-9231, nonviolence versus violence. More discussion, your calls on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are completely free. That, again, freetalklive.com, including archives. Entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website for your downloading convenience. There's no logging in. There's no hoops to jump through. You just go and get them for free at freetalklive.com. So we've been talking uh, so far this hour about nonviolent resistance versus violent resistance and what you get in each case. 
And it seems pretty clear to me, based on all of the violent revolutions of the world and all of history, that violence against the state is only going to result in violence from the state against you. I think it depends on the level. You know, I mean, it, uh, the way I look at it, Ian, is if you've got uh, something that is considered by most people in, in, the, in, in the society as being an acceptable law, violence against such an acceptable law is not going to do anything productive. You're being more self-destructive than Lindsay Lohan after a Memorial Day party, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, throw me in the back of the van, I'm puking on myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if you've got, obviously, if you've got a point where it's violence for your own protection or for your neighborhood or for your livelihood or something like that, that is generally seen or you can readily get people to recognize, like, hey, right. this is bad. It, it it takes some education. And, of course, you're, you know, I can understand how frustrated, frustrated people get because you've got a state-sponsored education system and you've got a media system that basically is trying to indoctrinate people and is saying, yes, this law is good. We should sure. prohibit use of these things. So I can understand people getting frustrated. Yeah, not, it, it absolutely is. But, yeah. the, you know, the solution with, with that isn't to go and, you know, massacre all the teachers at the school. <laughs> no. I mean, it doesn't... The problem is that you and I, Gardner, and a lot of other people in the liberty movement, they understand inherently that the government really is nothing more than people offering their products and services at the point of a gun. They are really people that, you know, they, they... they do things on an involuntary basis. Everything they do is is funded via coercion. It's forcibly um, f- thrust upon us, and and that hurts us, you know, because we're voluntary people. We want to interact on a voluntary basis. We would never dream of pointing a gun at somebody and and making demands of them. Right. Uh, but but unfortunately for the rest of America that that hasn't come to that epiphany yet, that hasn't realized what the government truly is, they believe that the government is legitimate. It, that's what they think. Americans, and, and that's what government's most brilliant uh, move has ever been, is right. the, the aura of legitimacy yeah, that it has. That's a perfectly phrased statement. That, well said, Ian. And yeah. you cannot remove the aura of legitimacy from the state by being violent against it. It's just going to uh, to cement in, in many people's minds that, oh, look at this, this, the state is protecting us from these violent people. You know, you hit a great point. You've got two things you're fighting. You've got the tyranny of the majority, and you've got the tyranny of the vocal minority. The tyranny of the majority, you're not, as you say, you're not going to convince these people unless you do it subtly, unless you do it over a long period of time, and show them examples, peaceful examples, where peaceful people are being hurt. You don't want to show them seemingly antagonistic examples. Then you've got the tyranny of the vocal minority, and the only way you combat that vocal minority, which has a vested interest, whether it's for um, tariffs against Cuban sugar or it's for, you know, ethanol or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be, that's the tyranny of the vocal minority. They've got a vested interest. They make more money by getting legislation passed that helps them in a mercantilist way than we lose every, you know, a few pennies every day. But in the multitudes, we lose tons uh, when you aggregate it. So what you've got to do is it's very difficult, but you've got to take what is unseen, the loss of the millions, and make it seen. And you've got to start spending the money. That's particularly difficult. But I think through education, through getting people to recognize that investing in this education and spreading the word, you can do it. And it's a heck of a lot more effective. And part of, uh, part of nonviolent resistance, yeah. part of the things that Gandhi did and the things that, it, that nowadays Russell Canning and, and Lauren Canario, mm. some super nonviolent activists, yeah. some of the things they're doing is that education. 
Because by being nonviolent and and showing the world or yeah. showing the area that you live in that this government is being – the government's the one being violent. Hey, look what right. they're doing to us. Look right. at the awful things they're doing. We're nonviolent. We haven't hurt anybody. But here's the government, you know, cracking batons over our heads or right. whatever. And hopefully it doesn't go that far as far as the government's response is concerned to your nonviolent activism. But that's educational because it allows the American people to, to see this and say, well, wait a minute. They threw this, this woman in jail for 90 days, Lauren Canario, sure. they threw her in jail for reading a book on the front porch of a home whose, whose house uh, she knew the owner of, whom she had permission to be there. Right. Uh, they threw her in jail for that, and just the outrageous things that, that happened during that whole 90 days. Between There was a variety of things we could talk yeah, about, but... Yeah. but we can we can point to that and say, look, look, see what this government is doing in your name. This is awful. And most anybody that pays attention to that, anybody that comes over, comes across this message is going to have to agree unless they're the, the most authoritarian, tyrannical person. They would have to side with us and say, yeah, you know, that's really extreme. Why is the government doing this sort of thing? Well, you know, here's why, because they're here's what the government really is. That's a great point. You know, there's there's a heck of a difference between Gandhi and uh and a you know a guy in a, a mafia who may be running outside the law and is seen by people as being a dangerous guy now inside the mafia obviously there's some some violence and so on but what you do is if you're taking on the police even if you're doing it for a noble cause and you're not a mafia type figure you will be associated with those lawbreakers right and you don't want to do that. If you're going to break the law, you do it in a peaceful fashion, and you show that, hey, there was no reason. I didn't do anything. You want to be, yep. you want to be the innocent person. You yeah. don't want to be seen as a, you know, a wild-eyed killer. Yeah. Um, and what we're doing here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project is liberty lovers, hopefully 99% of them nonviolent, hopefully 100% of them nonviolent, move, are moving in here, and they're melding into their communities. Now, people like me, obviously, I'm doing my radio show, so anybody that comes across me knows I'm not really melding in too well. But right. nonetheless, I'm, I'm hopefully being effective in my communications. But the peop- most of the people that are coming here, are they're buying houses or they're renting houses, and they're moving in, and they're getting jobs, and they're meeting the people in the community, and they're, and they're uh, maybe volunteering at a few different places, and they're, you know, they're getting involved, and they're... They're going to make. They're going to be people that are going to become aware of who they are, and that these are genuinely good people. These are people that you would trust your your you know your your family with, as far as you 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 would trust them. They're not going yeah. to harm you. And then all of a sudden, if one of those people turns violent, then it, it paints us all with a bad brush. Even yeah. though we're not that way, yeah. if one of us, if one free stater moves in and starts being violent, then then we've got major problems. And on. you know, Ian, you bring up something that ties in very well with the very origins of the Free State Project when they first announced that, well, the origins of New Hampshire being selected uh, in, within the Free State Project. When that was announced, Kathy Sullivan, the former head of the Democrat Party here in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. who's a very a very pleasant woman but is a hardcore socialist, um, Kathy Sullivan said they're not welcome here. Mm. That we don't, why do, we don't want them coming here and changing our state. They're not welcome here. Meantime, Craig Benson, who was governor at the time and had a lot of libertarian uh, philosophical leanings, said, hey, bring him on in. Thank you. Thanks yes, for coming. And, and he understood that there can be a beautiful argument made to say these people are peaceful people. And they're going to come, if they do get involved in politics, they'll get involved in politics to the extent where they want to allow their neighbor to be left alone more often. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with that? Exactly. And that wins you an argument. It's beautiful. Here's my final point on nonviolence versus violence. Yeah. If you get violent with the state, then you've reduced yourself to their level. Yeah. 
I mean, if you are like me and you look down upon the state uh, as, as a violent criminal gang that uh, that needs to be that needs to be fought back against, and I don't mean violently, but I mean just theoretically, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then you are reducing yourself to the level of the state. The state is the one that uses violence. Now, right. It should not be us. We should be better than that. And we are better than that. Yeah. And so don't reduce yourself to their level. I think that, you know, it's it's even difficult to try to fathom the appropriate time when violence would be an appropriate response. It seems to me that if the state has got, you know, roadblocks everywhere and they're searching people's houses and people are being thrown into concentration camps, that there's a certain point between now and there where resistance with weapons would be appropriate where where you will truly be seen as the the group that's trying to fight against a tyrannical state but right now the state as tyrannical as we know it is does not appear that way to others the state does not appear to be tyrannical and so we have to play by the rules for the time being but that doesn't mean that the nonviolent resistance has to play by the rules in fact that's what civil disobedience is all about it's about breaking their stupid rules and showing them for how ineffective and pointless they are And I think that's really powerful. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away. We do ask you voluntarily support the show by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter through that link, uh, you will be feeling good because you'll be not only getting a great deal, most likely, but also you get maybe free Super Saver shipping on a lot of the items there. And finally, you'll feel the best because you know a percentage of your sale went to benefit Free Talk Live. Now, you could go and shop at Amazon the normal way, but then we won't get a cut, and the prices will still be the same. So why not enter through our little portal? Go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, get all your shopping done. I went there today, as a matter of fact. We went to uh, went out to do a little shopping um, in town, and the prices were just crazy. There was this. I just, I'm just looking for a raincoat, you know, yeah. something to keep me dry here in New Hampshire. Yeah. And it was sixty bucks at the sporting goods store. Went online, Amazon twenty. It was twenty bucks less. Wow. Yeah. I mean. It wasn't the exact same item, but it had similar item with similar features yeah. for $20 less. And uh, so now we rang it up on Amazon, and now Free Talk Live gets a cut of that sale. So That's great. Amazon.freetalklive.com. But, you, or, know, you know, Ian, I just don't understand. Why would you want to save money? Why would you want to hold on to more of your money <laughs> when you could... Give your money away. Shouldn't for the I same support product? local merchants? I I don't understand. Walmart's evil. Amazon's evil. And you know I don't understand why we should use this foreign labor to get things done for less. Because it leaves more money in my pocket for me. No, to decide no, what we to can't do have that. <laughs> we have to. Idiotic. So we need stupid. to go to the phones. Is what yeah, we right need to do. It. Ladies first. It's Mrs. Sheldon in Rhode Island. Hey. Hi. How are you? Hi. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I noticed a case in New Hampshire, and the man's name was Michael Gannon, and I went in the computer and I found your talk show with a, a tape from a few months ago with him and yourself. Yeah. And Mike was explaining that he went to Walmart and he bought um, Homeland Security cameras, audio video, and he put them up on his property because of vandalism and problems. That's right, right. right. 
The National Cops came after his kid for something, and they charged Michael's property, the father, and they entered the property without a warrant, threatening him and harassing him, and he captured it on camera. And he Correct. had signs on his property saying yes, that disclaimers. he would videotape people. Yeah. And those disclaimers, I have the same system. They're little disclaimers, and they go on the windows, and they actually advise people the house is alive. It's on audio video. Sure. So now he called the department, as you know, and he went down there and he brought them the films as they suggested. Oh, poor Mr. Gannon shouldn't have done that. Yeah, he don't thought he was the, doing the right thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, don't trust the police. Unfortunately, they're supposed to be the protectors. Uh, yeah, well, poor Mr. Gannon, he went there. Sometimes not. He went down there and they took the film, and the next thing, poor Mr. Gannon was handcuffed and dragged away for wiretapping. Right, a felony charge. Absolutely. Exactly, two of them. So now poor Mr. Gannon's wife is at home with the kids, and the police are barring her and the children from entering the home before they even have a hold of a warrant. Then they go in his house, and they take the tapes and cameras and everything from the property. They did. Mm-hmm. And they have not given them back, I don't think. Right. The charges were dropped, and his attorney um, is trying to work out a, a financial settlement. And part of that, I believe, is going to be the return of the tape, hopefully. Yeah. Right. Well, this now, has been over a year now, I think, since this happened. Right. So now here I am over in Hopkinton, Rhode Island, mm. and um, it's a nice, quaint little rural town, and we have a chief of police, Scunzio, with a long history as a state trooper, and um, it's like um, a state police town. It's mm. run by the heavy hand of his himself, and when he doesn't like somebody, God help you, look out, watch out. Oh, boy. Well, I used to have a public access TV show called Justice. In my last TV show, I was discussing the um, wrongdoings of our chief of police, Gunzio. Mm. And um, the public access coordinator, uh, Dean Davidson, um, he uh, was always annoying down the station. And when you have a public access TV show, that's where your problems will be. They edit, send it to your show, they play games with you. Mm. Well, as it turned out, those two got pretty close. And my people told me, watch out. So they pulled my show down. They worked together. I still didn't have evidence against the chief until I was watching on the computer the minutes from the town hall meeting in Richmond. Rhode hold on, Island. hold on, hold on. When you say they pulled your show down, does that mean they canceled you or they oh, would yes. not air the show that was critical oh, yes. of the police chief? Oh, yes. They um, sent me, well, actually, Dan Davidson, the coordinator, he um, was at the town hall meeting in Richmond, which I was also covering one night, and I had my camera going, and he put a book over his face and paper, and then he tried to get everybody in the meeting, the chief of police, the town manager, to um, stop me from filming a town hall meeting, which I had done many times. <laughs> a public event. Oh, yeah, you can't yes. have that. Well, he works for Cox Cable, so he's in Cox Cable, always had a relationship with DPUC in the state, like Love Affair Incorporated, no other cable company could come in, and now Verizon's coming in. Oh, God, look out. Wait a minute. You mean they gave an exclusive license and they don't allow citizens to come in and videotape things? Well, you're supposed to be able to, but um, Cox Cable sitting there covering the meeting, Dan Davidson, who is also the coordinator of Public Access TV, is trying to get them to throw me out of the meeting. So what happened? So they didn't do it. So the next day he was so BS. He, he went down to the state police and said that um, I shouldn't have been at the town hall meeting covering it, too, and that was harassment to him because he was covering it for Cox. So they called me, and I said, you're not going to really say that. I'm, and I said, you guys can't call me. And what would you say about another broadcaster there? Well, the whole thing went up in the end. The next thing, I got a courier pulling my driveway, and it said medical courier, and they handed me papers that my show had been disconnected. So 
Now, hold on a second here. They're supposed now, to have a hearing. They're supposed to do all that, and they did none of that. And, th- and then before that, somebody on the show didn't like what I said, who was party to all that, and took me to DPUC. And you never believe it. I have the tape, the hearing. At the hearing, the special assistant, the AG, he actually sat there and said, Hey, Marilyn, if you promise not to mention these people's names again, we'll let your the show oh. stay on. Wait, said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow, down, slow down for a second here, Ms. Sheldon. Uh, now, yeah. I got caught your first name there, Marilyn. Um, what I actually have some involvement here in in Keene, New Hampshire, where we're doing this show from, with the public access television station. And as I understand it, the concept behind public access <laughs> is that everyone in the community, anybody who lives in the area, is supposed to be able to come in there uh, for almost no charge and be able to to create their own television content and get it on the air. And the only reason that that content can be removed from the airwaves is if it is, like, obscene, basically, to where, you know, there's uh, sex happening on camera. And even in that case, a lot of that sort of content can air after 10 p.m. at night. So what was their excuse for canceling your show? Okay, that's a good question. Well, at the PUC meeting, remember I told you hearing, which was a stupid, it was a bogus thing. I told them, you have no right to touch this. If anything, it's civil. If anyone's complained, they should be going to court, not here. You people have no germane over this. So you can see them sitting there, the PUC, with Cox Cable, threatening if I, if I don't remove their names from the show, they'll can me. So their intent was to shut the show off to begin with, no matter how we look at it. Yeah. So now Dean Davidson, he turns around, he says, well, she um, wanted the tape right back one day. Yes, because that tape that I had on the last tape, we were all watching it in the whole town pretty much, in outside of town, and people were calling me. He silvered the screen when I spoke about Dean Davidson, Cox Cable coordinator. The whole screen went silver. So I complained to Cox, and they said, you're complaining too much. I said, now, wait a minute. He's editing and he's censoring the films. He's just silvered my screen. He's complaining I'm covering a meeting. So they said, no, and he says that you came in and demanded to have the tape back. I said, yeah, well, maybe something's wrong with the tape. I want to see. I'm going to take that tape home. We knew it was okay. So where did this all end up, Marilyn? We're kind of running short on time here. Yeah. You, well, you're... in any event, so now now we come down the road, and so that, remember now, the chief of police, okay, I took him down on that show. And right. my people said that he was sleeping with my enemies, and I didn't want to believe it. And then one day, that Dean Davidson, Cox Cable Coordinator, he um, goes to Richmond Town Hall, and he stands up during his working hours, which he's not supposed to, and asks for a PI license, private investigator's license. So he had to get a reference. His own chief of police, Driscoll Richmond, wouldn't give it to him. He says, you're just a cameraman. You're not a detective. But my chief of police mm -hmm, gave him the reference because he helped to take me down on the show for the police chief here. Okay. uh Okay. So now that was the first thing. So I called the chief and I said, hey, listen, Johnny. I says, I got your number now. You're sleeping with my enemies. Goodbye, John. Now, he's not used to that type of behavior, especially with women. Smack me down, teach me to keep myself in line with him. So the next thing, a cop pulled me over from coming back from a court hearing. I'm involved in a town. The oh, town boy. took somebody to court, and I'm a witness in the case. So I'm coming home from court, and the cop pulled me over and said, let me see your license. I gave it to him. He gave me a ticket for driving with a license, without a license. I said, you got the license. You said it was valid. You can't give me a ticket. Arrested me, threw me in jail, and I Whoa. got out for a couple of hours. I called the chief the next day. He called me back. He says, oh, hi, Marilyn. I says, Johnny, look me a BS. You know sweet talk me. I says, you people stole my license. You bring me my license home right now. He said, well, they were confused. I said, you told them to do it to retaliate, and he did. He brought me my license home, and they dismissed it. That was a false arrest. Now I'm a witness in that case. Now the judge in the case, he's flipped on us. He's gone crazy. He's a marching here. 
disseminating me. Marilyn, I need you to wrap this up in like yep. 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I did a protest against the judge and everything. In the meantime, I had, and they arrested me, the judge arrested me for contempt of court and put me in jail for protesting him. Huh. So what a mess. The small yep. town Rhode politics. Island. I mean, this is just so, I mean, you you target one particular uh, one particular politician <laughs> and you get the word out and they and they retaliate against you. If you could, Marilyn, call us back as your oh, case no. develops and let us know what's going on no, here. We can't take uh, an hour to talk about this, but thank you very much for the call. Hour number 2 is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves. It is the live Memorial Day edition of the show. I should have mentioned at the start of the program, that, and, and now I guess I will because we got more stations on board, but... We're here in the studio. It's Ian here with you. And guards. Unlike many uh, syndicated radio show hosts, your Rush Limbaugh's and your Glenn Beck's and all those other guys. Now, I don't listen to all those shows. I don't know who showed up for work today and who didn't. But I think it's generally a pretty safe bet that they didn't come into work. And here we are with half our backs tied behind our brains just to make it fair. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We're here doing a live show because, you know what? It's Memorial Day. Yeah. There are people out there having picnics. They're driving around, driving from family house to uh, somebody else's house. They're they're in their cars. They're listening to the radio. They're out on uh, having a picnic. They're listening to the radio. People listen to the radio on yeah. holidays. So in my opinion, they deserve to have live content just like it were any other day. And perhaps they deserve to have information given to them that they won't typically get on Memorial Day weekend. Well, that's of course, uh, and, th- and that in- inevitably means that we need to talk about Memorial Day, and we yeah. will do that. But people have been waiting very patiently to get on the air here uh, all the way from last hour. So we're going to go to the phones to start things out here. Let's talk to Todd in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Todd. Hey, hi, guys. How's it going? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, well, um, I just want to talk to you guys about the uh, Ron Paul um, effect that's been uh, overwhelming everybody in. And, uh, you know, I know Ron was on CNN today uh, talking about his, his uh, campaign quite a bit. Oh, great. And I noticed that the interviewer on there was sort of like trying to make him look stupid really? on, uh, on TV, which is usually what, what CNN does any, anyway. And they end up making themselves news. look stupid in the process. Yeah, they were trying to. Uh, how, how are I they going about that, this? Huh? How are they going about this, Todd? Well, um, I, I noticed uh, in one question he asked them, well, uh, when do you want to, uh, you know, uh, if you're elected president, uh, when would you want to bring home the troops um, if you were elected president? And, and Ryan goes, I would start now, you know, let them know that the war is over. I, I can't remember exactly how Ryan phrased it, but uh, it was something to that effect. And uh, the, the guy on CNN was like, okay, fine, whatever, this this is nice, <laughs> but it was really, really dumb. So he's not even uh, really engaged. He's just got a bunch of questions that he thinks he, he doesn't even respect Ron Paul's opinions. That's one of the things that really bugs me the most is when somebody doesn't realize that Ron Paul, in thinking about this, has a, a multi-layered, very deep understanding of his opinions and why right. he's come up with these thoughts. Right, and I, I really thought that, you know, uh, you would think that CNN sort of being more liberal, more uh, leftist than Fox News, being open to the idea of 
well, let's just end this war and be done with it. You would think, however, that would buy into the common misperception that one network is liberal and another is conservative, which, of course, the conservative talk show hosts, they promote every single day. The liberal media, the liberal media, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, it's not a liberal media. It's a pro-state media. The media takes the pro-state side. I'm glad you brought that up, Ian, because I always thought that, that... I've always called it the government media. Yeah. You know, there is no such thing as a liberal media. If there were such a, uh, such a thing as a liberal media, then where's the conservative media? Well, you know, I'll bring up, I'll bring up uh, these distinctions. I, I agree with you about 90%. There are slight differences when you look at the approach on some economic issues regarding things like taxes or spending in, in some cases. And Fox News, right. uh, Fox News isn't even conservative per se in their news reportage as some of those people would say. It's in right. their later programs where they have the opinion guys on. Mm-hmm. In their news reports, they try to be pretty balanced. I'll give you an example. I, I've mentioned this before. I have a really good friend named Ian. Uh, he's a hardcore socialist left-winger, former punk rocker who played with Gigi Allen uh, up here <laughs> in New Hampshire, and he works for Fox News. He went into the interview, and he said, well, you know, i, I got to tell you guys, you know, I'm a really liberal guy. And they said, no, we want you because you can write. Now, he's a pro-state right. guy in many cases, uh, he happens to be against our pro. Uh, he's against uh, big big government and and the military. But in the meantime, on Fox News, they're in favor of big government and the military, but they're against big government and let's say some regulations or let's say some taxation. So it, it's right. give and take, I think. There are definitely some subtle differences between the uh, the news companies out there, but again, it's it's they're arguing the the two sides of the government coin right. is what we've seen, yes. you know, between the so-called liberals and conservatives. Yeah. So I mean, it, where were all the? I mean, as one example of how pro-state the media is and how it's not a left or right thing, where were all of the dissenting media people when George Bush originally wanted to get into Iraq? All oh, of the media I, I, was I got cheering a better it on. One for you. Well, I got a better one for you, Ian. How about where were the Big corporate uh, status media when it came to Clinton's uh, uh, incursion into Kosovo. Kosovo, perfect, sure. perfect example. Absolutely okay. right. Okay, where were these guys? Yeah, I mean, when when Clinton decided, oh, let's just go in there and bomb the crap out of Kosovo, just because. We, it, it, it's a very good political um, selling point. Yeah, and you know, you know, Todd, the next layer you get to is uh, oftentimes the people maybe on Fox News and so on who had been critical, whether they're the opinion people or some of the editors who are in right. there directing some of the news stories, um, they'll be out there. They were critical of us going into Kosovo, of us connecting with the U.N. and the guys wearing the blue hats and all those things, the blue helmets. Uh, but right. they're not critical of the multilateral efforts. In fact, they praise how many nations are involved <laughs> yeah. in Iraq and so on. And it's like right. it does definitely seem to be hypocrisy. Uh, then you get to the next layer, I think, Todd, which is, well, maybe they feel that one was, justif- one was not justified, the former and the latter are, are different somehow. That and we some of them been are actually place. egging uh, the government to go into Darfur because mm-hmm. for humanitarian reasons. Well, think about and, the reason. I mean, the reason the news companies, at least in my, the way I see it, the, the reason the news com- companies are so adamant about supporting war efforts is because it's good for ratings. I mean, it's good for ratings and it's good for sweeps. I mean, yeah. it's 
You know, you get your you get your uh, your in-house composer to compose one of his you know patriotic themes dun, 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 tonight on CNN right. News. It's the invasion of Iraq. It begins. It's support our troops. Blah blah blah. They get to just you know pander to the uh, the nationalist right. crowd out there and uh, and score points and get people to watch their commercial exactly. breaks. Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, just just before I go here, I, yeah. I just want to let you guys know that uh, I had a great guest on my show, Liberty Cap Talk Live, last night, and we were going on and on about. Uh, Ron's campaign or anything, uh, just swing over to uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Live and, and check out the archives there. All right, you need to start advertising our show on, your, on our show from here out. Thanks for the call, Todd. <laughs> we appreciate it. This is the last freebie. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's not unheard of. Believe it or not, yeah. we actually had someone in the past, uh, Dan Carlin, he advertised with us for a while, and it did great things for him. Oh, now he's great. now he's uh, in the top ten of Podcast Alley, and he never was before. Good for him. Way so, to go. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Todd's uh, call inspires my thoughts about the YouTube videos that are out there of Ron Paul taking on Sean Hannity. And it is great. The one from ever, after the debate? After the debates. That was an awful video. Oh, man. Awful in that Hannity wouldn't let him get a word in edgewise. He wouldn't, but if you listen, he still sneaked things in. It was oh, like, he did. Yeah. All he right. Did, but... Way to go. And, and, and it just shows how Sean Hannity awful doesn't interviewer. listen. He's an awful interviewer. He's, yeah. a, he's a demagogue. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Eric in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Eric. Hey, guys. What's hey. on your mind tonight? I have a point to make about the Civil War and then about violence in general. Okay, great. Uh, first of all, Ron Paul has said a couple of times, and I know you guys have said a couple of times, that Lincoln uh, went about the Civil War improperly because he didn't offer money for the slaves. Right? There's no economic solution. Well, that's not that's not no, what I, I've said. I have not said that. No, but okay. I can understand some people making. I, I think the Civil War was improper. Period. Yeah, uh, broke the Constitution. He should have been in prison. And right. Think. And and my position on this on slavery is that. Uh, Companies or not countries, excuse me, countries around the world abolished uh, slavery without going to war with themselves. So uh, slavery would have gone away eventually through the marketplace, through competition, and that sort of thing. And in fact, that was what was happening. Um, but you know, the, the whole war thing wasn't even really about slavery, as everyone knows. It was about states' rights. It was yeah. about the states being able to secede from the union that they originally decided to join. Absolutely. And so, uh, go ahead with your point, though. Well, the impression that I got from you guys, uh, this was several shows ago, was that uh, you believe that Lincoln should have offered a market solution like paying the slave owners for the slaves. I don't know who said that. I recall that vaguely being uh, somebody had suggested that maybe. I don't know if it was a caller or not, but if you want, hang on. You can give us your solution, Uh, 800-259-9231. I don't support taxing or using the government for anything. I think that the marketplace, through its uh, competition for, for employees, that sort of thing, would inevitably have eliminated slavery down the line. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, Live Memorial Day edition. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Live Memorial Day edition of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Gar. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. It is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And as always, you can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever topic uh, is on your mind. And, of course, you can join us online as well at freetalklive.com and get signed up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know first if you're on the updates list, and you can get on it for free by going to Update. 
updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festivals, better known as Porkfest, happening June 18th through the 24th, so less than a month away. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own and hear and discuss the progress in the future of the Free State Project. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com as we go back to the phones and back to Eric in Michigan. Now, Eric, uh, you were listening, I guess, a few days ago, and somebody brought up the Civil War. I don't even remember who said this, but I think it was just somebody who was trying to propose some alternative, and it might have been Wayne or one of our other co-hosts. It was somebody that was trying to propose an alternative method to you know, killing our own countrymen in regards to ending slavery. And I think they mentioned the idea that, well, the slaves could have just been bought out instead of spending all this money on war and that sort of thing. It wasn't necessarily a viewpoint that I supported, uh, and if, if, if it came off that way, then I apologize for that. But, uh, but your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I just want to clear up any confusion there and say that, you know, Lincoln actually was offering to buy the slaves away. But as to my point on violence, you guys were discussing how if you use violent tactics, that turns people against you, correct? Yes. Uh, the thing is, though, I'm, I was just studying the case of Algeria in a uh, college class I'm taking. And Algeria? Yeah, indeed, uh, the okay. Algerian Revolution. They uh, revolted against the French colonists who were there. And, in fact, uh, about 60% of the Algerian population supported the French colonists. So yeah. there were only about 20 or 30% of the people who actually participated in the revolution. And despite the fact they used violent tactics, they still succeeded. So I don't even think that a popular revolution is necessary, and I think that violent tactics can still be quite valid and relevant. So wait, I'm sorry, what were the the violent tactics? Uh, uh, Bombings, they bombed cafes, they bombed police stations, they shot policemen, uh, extremely violent tactics, terrorist tactics. And and you're saying they were supported by the Algerian people? Only about 30% of the Algerians supported it. The rest, uh, about 60% were against them and supported the French against the other Algerians. And And what happened as as a result of all of this? Uh, Well, eventually the French brought in extremely hostile techniques, and that's uh, part of my point as well. They brought in extremely hostile techniques where they locked everything down. They uh, brought people up on charges. They shot people. And uh, basically, that just steeled the will of the people against the French. And also, uh, the French began to attack the French, uh, or the Algerians began to use more terrorist tactics. And eventually, the French were uh, pushed out, and the Algerians won. Okay, so you're talking about violence being used against an invading force. It's against the state in general. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you should bring that up because you've got an example in the uh, the colonies of uh, America. Uh, it was about a 30-30-30 or 33-33-33 split where you had 33% that wanted to eliminate the uh, British control, 33% that were tied into it through the governorships and things like that, and 33% that weren't even interested one way or the other or out on the frontiers and things like that. Uh, you know, that's an excellent point on the Algerian thing. I have to think about that a little more. Uh, there's uh, anybody who's read The Stranger by Camus. Uh, that that's sort of set in that time period. Um, but it's interesting because I always saw the Algerian revolutionaries as they're depicted nowadays as being really negative and nasty. Oh, yeah, they were certainly nasty people. I mean, they were yeah. terrorists to the core. And just I just want to mention the fact, you know, even though they were such a small uh, group, you know, only 30% of the Algerians, just because the, the tactics were violent and also that caused uh, the, the French to take up even more violent tactics. And that's what Osama's doing right now, frankly, is he hopes that he can evoke a violent reaction which will cause more people to join his side against the, uh, the invading force. So you think that could be constructive? I, I personally, I'm, I, I don't find it a really convincing... Well, hold on a second. We're talking about a, a situation... Now, I'm not a, stu- I'm not a... I went to government school, so I don't know a lot about the Algerian whatever this is. Um, you're saying that France was invading Algeria? Well, France had colonized Algeria in, I believe, the 1830s, and this was, you know, way back to the time of uh, Napoleon's grandson, who was the 
the king at the time. And they had a friendly relationship for the longest time, but eventually the Algerians felt that they were uh, being taken advantage of by the French, and thus a small population of, I believe they were peasants, uh, began the revolt, and that moved into the cities. The French brought in more harsh tactics, which caused more Algerians to use more terrorist tactics. And eventually, despite the fact that the insurgency itself was crushed, the people were so angry at the French by that time that there was a popular uprising after the insurgency that caused them to be forced out. Then what happened? I mean, then, uh, then the French left, and the Algerians became an independent state. See, the, the question, I think, is the status of what's going on. I, I don't think that with the drug issue that you're going to be able to get people to, say, get to the point where the local Algerians uh, were ready to try to do something to change it by using these violent tactics. I, I yeah, just I don't think, you know, it, it's, I understand the template you're, you're, you're discussing, and it is a very valuable template, but I think it's for a different situation. That you uh, it that? is for a different situation, and I don't think that uh, here in America the, you don't even have close to 30%. You've got maybe a, a percentage of a percentage uh, that, that thinks this way. And I don't think that I, I don't think that being barbaric is going to be the right solution. Even though even though you might be able to point out some evidence in history where violent revolution has been somewhat successful, uh, it still was it was not successful in that those people died. I mean, shouldn't we be able to turn this around without mass uh, extermination, without the government turning its guns on people and, and killing them? Should, is it, shouldn't that be at least a possibility? At this point, I completely agree with you. I don't think that things are quite bad enough that uh, a violent revolution would work. But I believe that if the uh, police state continues to get more, you know, more vile and the police treat people worse and worse, that's what really brought about the revolution in Algeria was that the people were just being treated so poorly that, you know, they felt that they had no honor anymore. And uh, Franz Fanon, uh, who was a black uh, uh, Caribbean who was in the area at the time, wrote about this. He was a psychologist. And he said that the attacks uh, by the Algerians were begun just so that they could get their manhood back. And so through killing uh, the white Frenchmen, they felt as if they were regaining some of the honor that they had lost through being occupied and treated poorly by the occupational forces. See, now this is the trickiest question, and, th and that is, when does one go ahead and uh, when does one who supports nonviolence, but theoretically out into the future can see, a, can see a day where the government becomes so tyrannical and oppressive that violence is the only solution to, yeah. uh, to the problem, uh, at what point do you think that would be here in America? I think that if, if, if it becomes systemic, like as of now, you know, you've got drug raids where people get shot, you've got houses being invaded from time to time, rights being violated, but it's really sporadic. I mean, yeah. you know, you might have two or three cases across the country a month, tops. If this uh, happened, you know, with a lot more frequency, I think that then it would be the time. You know, if this was happening several hundred times a week, if a lot of people were having this done to them, their, their rights violated, or their honor violated, I think then it would be the time. But for now, things are just kind of, they're not at that stage yet. Very good. Thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Yeah, I don't want to make it I don't want to make it sound for a moment like this is something I'm agitating for. I don't want it to get to that point. And I think that it's possible to turn the uh, d there's no doubt that this country is going down a very dark, scary road towards some sort of weird mix of socialism and fascism and uh, you know, totalitarian results. We're going now down that road, and if we don't do something now, it seems inevitable that we will get to that point. I don't know about you, Guard, but I don't like the idea of uh, you know hefting my AK and taking people out. I don't want that. Right. I, that's not what I, I want to use defensive force, if any force at all. But you know, down the line, that's the direction we're going in. If we don't do something now to stop that. I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go any further down this road. So I want to do what we can now on a nonviolent basis to awaken people to the tyranny of the state and show them that uh, that there are voluntary solutions to society's problems and do it effectively. 
And I think that's something we can do. Got to keep it up. 1-800-259-9231. I think civil disobedience is an important factor there. And uh, we'll touch more on that. Plus, uh, Gene, the Christian anarchist, is on the line with his com- uh, comments on this. And your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Memorial Day edition of the program. It's Ian here with you. And guard. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Live streams included broadband version and a dial-up version. Two sizes will fit virtually every internet connection, and they're for free. Go to freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. Nevergetbusted.com. We've been talking uh, off and on throughout the show, a lot through the first hour, but just now it's come back to it, about the idea of violent resistance against the state versus nonviolent resistance. Uh, and, of course, Mark, uh, you're not Mark, Guard, yeah. you and I, we're both advocates of the nonviolent path. Yeah. Uh, the idea that you use nonviolent resistance, maybe a little bit of civil disobedience, break the silly laws that you disagree with uh, in a nonviolent fashion, and then use the, the state's typically violent and awful response to you breaking those laws against the state. Use it to, to delegitimize the state. Use it to open people's eyes, to wake them up to uh, the incessant violence that is in just constantly in, in this system. It's, it's part of the system, part, yeah. and, part and parcel to the system. And hopefully people will, uh, will awaken to that, and then maybe they'll join in with future nonviolent dis, uh, disobedience and Hopefully it will spread, and then the state won't be able to do anything about it anymore. Because, you know, the old question is, what if everybody stopped paying taxes, right? What if, not even just everybody, what if 30% of those who currently pay taxes, and let's not even pick income tax, let's take businesses. What if 30% of businesses all of a sudden decided, you know, we've had enough, we're not collecting sales tax anymore. What the hell would the state do? Yeah. I mean, then the state's going to come in there, and they're going to forcibly shut down those businesses. They're going to take those business owners. They're going to throw them in jail cells, and you've killed the you've killed 30% of the economy at that point. There's a certain point at which the government's tyranny cannot go on any further if there's enough nonviolent resistors. If there are people all over the place, if this uh, seatbelt law goes through here in New Hampshire, where, of course, the, the, the only state in the United States that does not have a mandatory seatbelt law for adults right now, they're looking at changing that. Right, and by the way, there was a Senate panel that voted not to pass the bill last week. It's going to go That's before the, the, all of the Senate, and if it passes the Senate, it'll go before our governor. And, of course, our governor Probably is such a lover it. of freedom, he'll sign it. Right, so uh, got to so, stop it. So there's a chance this is going to go through in New Hampshire. Yeah. As, sad as, a day of, as sad as a day that that would be, what if people started, uh, you know, the live free or die mentality still lives here in New Hampshire, thank goodness. 
Uh, and so what if some of those people, some of the people in the state just decided, you know what, screw it. I don't care what your laws are. I'm not going to wear your seatbelt. In fact, Julia, my girlfriend, has said that, you know, she normally wears her seatbelt because it seems like the sensible thing to do. But as soon as the state starts telling her to wear her seatbelt, then she's going to be less likely to want to wear the seatbelt. People with an anti-authoritarian bent like her and I, we're less likely to wear our seatbelts as a result of being told That's what right. to do. And this is, this is where you've got to take advantage of getting the information out there because if you just do it sporadically here and there people aren't going to hear about it right if you organize if you get people's eyes focused on it if you can make an issue of it without being violent showing the absurdity of the law exactly that will get people and that hopefully will get people's attention and get them connected to the liberty movement where they'll learn more about uh, about freedom and liberty and all those things make, and then move from you there. You make a caravan. You make a caravan of adults. Nobody wears their seatbelts. That's exactly Everybody what I was has, thinking. Yeah, exactly. You pass through the pass through the tolls. And, I was and, thinking about calling the police department in whatever given area that you're in yeah. and saying, hey, just uh, wanted to let you know at noon on Friday we're going to have about five to ten people, or however many you get to commit to it, we we'll have about five to ten cars uh, driving around your parking lot with no seat belts on. And, you know, take your cars out there and drive around and see if they'll do anything to you uh, about it. And uh, if they ticket everybody, then that's great, because that's what you want. You want them to do something instead of ignore it. Because, of course, then again, if they did ignore it, then you could make an issue out of it and say, hey, what's up here? You're not enforcing your laws. Better yet, tie it in with some philanthropic cause. You're bringing toys to a, a children's charity. You're doing something oh, yeah, for that's people great. at a retirement home. Whatever but without your seatbelts on. You're going to donate blood. We're all on our way to the Red Cross to donate blood, and none of us are going <laughs> to be wearing our seatbelts. Right. And and then, so, if they do ticket everybody, then, then the idea would be to have have all of the people who were ticketed refuse to pay the fine, which, of course, inevitably will probably end up in an arrest warrant being issued mm-hmm. for that person. Mm-hmm. And then all of the protesters will be arrested. And then now instead of uh, now the state of New Hampshire is paying to incarcerate people who didn't wear their seatbelts. I mean, how insane will it get? Yeah. And so then you sort of play off that you, and you, you make those points. You make the points against government control and against all these mandates by using nonviolence. Let's go to the phones and talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Hey, Gene. Hi. Hey, I just wanted to talk to you actually about stupid cops. Okay, sure. <laughs> That's always a good subject, right? Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Um, well, I just yesterday drove all the way from Phoenix to L.A., and today I drove back. And uh, the cops, of course, are out in full force doing their Memorial Day uh, har- harassing the public. Yeah. Sure. And, and they are doing, I saw a couple of really stupid actions by the cops. One, I was going around this corner. Uh, it was a pretty tight corner, had a wall so that you couldn't really see around the corner. And here in the middle of this sweeping corner is a cop in the shoulder where the shoulder is just barely wide enough for his patrol car. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there with his radar gun trying to catch people zipping around that corner. Well, that's really safe. This is the, uh, one of the stupidest things I've seen them do because the um, uh, first thing I do, of course, when I see him is I'm slamming on my brakes, just like everybody else. Right. And and if somebody's too quite close behind me, they're going to start panicking. They're going to slam on their brakes even harder than I slam mine on. If somebody's behind them, then those people are going to meet. So you're <laughs> saying this guy was actually uh, not visible until you start the turn? Until you were halfway through the turn. Got it. Because mm. if it was a blind, blind corner, and everybody's going around there at 80 miles an hour. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, you're going 80, and there's a cop. Everybody slams on their brake to try and get down to 60 or whatever it is. Yeah, you've got an accident on yeah. your hands. 
yep. and you've got a nice big accident there. And I, I was just wondering how many, uh, of course, we'll never be able to know for sure, but I was wondering how many accidents are caused by our people who are supposedly trying to keep us safe. And I mean, that's the, 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 the baloney they try and tell us is sure. that they're out there trying to keep us safe. Sure. I wonder how many people they kill trying to keep us safe. That's an excellent question, and I agree with you, Gene, that it's probably almost impossible to calculate that. But, of course, then there, you can you can still point out certain instances, like this is a great instance. How about the cops that just, as a routine, seem to seem to just have no problem pulling people over in, in, the, in, in, in one lane of a two-lane road? I mean, they'll just pull somebody over right there in the lane, get out of their car, and walk around right in the, right in the middle of the street when they might be 50 feet away or 100 feet away from the entrance to a parking lot. They could have very easily have instructed that driver to, to, to pull over into the parking lot, and that's what I would do were I uh, to be pulled over by the cops. Absolutely. When I had a cop pull me over uh, for speeding down in Sarasota, Florida, and he had his lights on, and I was in a two-lane road, and I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to pull over right there in the middle of that road. I didn't want to do that, no. so I sort of slowed down so he would hopefully would understand that, yes, I'm pulling over for you, but I wasn't pulling over right away, and I was looking for a way to uh, to pull over without blocking the road. So I was going for the next side street that you know turned down the side street into a neighborhood where there's less traffic so I wouldn't be impeding the flow of traffic. And what's the cop do as I'm, I'm going, obviously well under the speed limit, noticing that he's there, he runs right up on me and, uh, you know, tailgates me, basically, just being rude, you know, flashing his lights, just being a jerk. And I'm trying to do something for the rest of the people on the road. He just doesn't care. Yeah. yeah and you know what? The, you know what their solution is for uh, people pulling over on the side of the freeway and... Uh, then, you know, they're, they're sitting on a little narrow shoulder, mm-hmm. and so there's a great danger there of the police and the person that they pulled over getting hit by a semi or yeah. whatever is coming down the road. Their solution to that is now to make it illegal to drive in that lane next to the shoulder if there's a cop, if there's an emergency vehicle in that oh, lane. Really? Wow. Well, I had no idea about law, that. Wow. have a law that says you have to pull over if, if there's a cop or emergency vehicle on the shoulder. Amazing. Gene, thanks for the call, man. Uh, we appreciate hearing from you, as always. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Ron is on the way. Your calls as well about whatever you want. Toll free, 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Garth. 1-800-259-9231. And yes, it is the live Memorial Day edition. We're here in studio giving you live programming because, darn it, that's what you deserve. You listen to the radio on Memorial Day. You should hear live shows. Some content. Not Not those damn reruns. All right, so 800-259-9231. Let's hey, Ian, hmm? Ian, before yes. we do, I just want to mention real quick uh, something you and I were talking about during the break, and I only want to mention this briefly because it ties in with that police officer call from uh, um, Chris? Gene? Gene, Gene, that's right, Gene. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about this gets us into privatized roads just a little bit, but I just want to mention there's a story out of the Telegraph uh, from the 27th uh, that says that in England they're going to be starting off with hundreds of cars to install these pay-as-you-drive equipment things for uh, certain roads. They're not going to be charging people. They're just going to see if the technology can work. 
And uh, you and I were discussing off the air how those of us who support privatized road systems thinks it can think it can work better. Uh, many people might say, well, shoot, you know, that's one step closer to what you have. It's a pay-as-you-go system. Those people who use particular roads more will pay <laughs> for the system. And I said, look, you know, I understand that that argument, and I support having people who are using things pay for the things that they're using. But the problem with this is that all it's going to do is give the government more opportunity to bring in more money over in England, and what happens is people can say that, well, uh, subway riders and public train system users are being subsidized, and they certainly are, and it is immoral and unethical that the people who don't use the system are paying to subsidize these riders. But what we need to remember is that they're subsidized in a system that already is inflated because of top-heavy bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And what this will do is allow the British government more money to do what? To increase its bureaucracy and pay more bureaucrats. Right, because, well, the people in in Great Britain are already paying for the roads. I mean, what's a a liter of gas cost over there? Isn't it like $4 a liter or something crazy like that? Absolutely right. I mean, so they're already paying through the nose as far as taxes on, on gasoline are concerned. So they're, theoretically, they've already paid for these roads. These roads have been paid for a long time ago, and they keep paying into the system with these gas taxes. Now the uh, system has come up with yet another tax to, to levy on people, and they have no compunctions about doing it. Why do they? Why should they care? Yeah. Uh, they, can, they can tax these people as much as they, as much as they want to. Nothing That's will it. really happen to the it's bureaucrats as exactly. a result of it. It's not exactly analogous to a fee-for-service because at all. the service is not within the market paradigm right it's it's a it's external it's it's one size fits all it's government bureaucracy with no competition no competition right and because on. there's no competition they have no incentive to conserve costs they have no right. incentive to uh reduce rates they're going to start charging rates to drive on xyz roads and inevitably those rates aren't coming down yeah they're going to yeah. go up over time yeah and then how about the privacy invasion aspect what about the idea that the government's going to have a little transponder in your car beep beep beep, beep. Yeah, here he is here, look at you want to find him here pull up the map i yeah. mean that's kind of See, spooky you know, too. I'll, I'll post. It's a really short story. I'll I'll, I'll put it over at the uh, at the BBS. The, yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll send it to you and, and I'll okay. post it at the Liberty Conspiracy. So All right. People can Very check cool. It out. That's your website, by the way. We haven't plugged it yet tonight. LibertyConspiracy.com. dot com. All right. So let's continue with the calls and go to Ron in Louisiana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ron. Yes, gentlemen. Uh, you have a very interesting program. Thanks. And What's on your mind tonight? You getting out information. Hey, great. I'm in my. 70s, and I've been trying to get information out for almost 50 years now. Good job. But, uh, I had one warning I wanted to give before I address the uh, way to uh, address this government issue. Uh, my wife, Rosemary, got a brain tumor from drinking Diet Coke. Oh, dear. I just think that your listeners need to know this. Some, a lot of them probably know, but some of them don't, and their lives could be spared if they had this information. And uh, there's a website that they can go to. It's called Doorway, D-O-R-W-A-Y, dot com and dot org, that will give them all the information, and maybe their lives and their suffering can be despaired by going there. Uh, now, I wanted to address the government is a monster. It's, it's big. And attacking it is like a flea attacking an elephant, mm-hmm. not going to do any damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the only way that you can... Uh, approach this thing is through different avenues that allows us to constitutionally do it. Now, the man was talking about the French being in Algeria. Mm-hmm. That was an outside country in that country. That was a different situation. These revolutions are different situations than what we have. Right. Like when we threw the British out, that was somebody outside trying to control us. 
Sure. In this case, the government is made up of people who, in many cases, can be your friends or your uh, or no, they're not my friends, but yeah. they might be your friends. You might, there is a chance that uh, you could have a friend who's a bureaucrat. I'm friendly with some of the bureaucrats in town, yeah. um, and there's there's certainly a chance they could be your family members. So yeah, I mean, and who wants to fight against your friends and family? Let's let's convert them on a on an intellectual basis. Yeah. Problem is, the enemy has taken over control of our government and most of our. Uh, Elected officials in Washington there are bought off, other than Ron Paul and a few of the handful of the others. They're either uh, paid for or they're blackmailed into submission to mm-hmm. do what the big boys want them to do, the globalists. They're, and there's no Democrat or Republican Party. It's just a globalist party in Washington that is controlled by the industrialists and the globalists. And, and, and this is what we have to deal with, but we have to recognize and admit that first before we can approach this thing. Run, yeah. of course, it lends a patina of legitimacy uh, right. to all this, which is very difficult to combat. And uh, oh, go on, I didn't mean to interrupt. One you. way is jury nullification. These mm-hmm. laws that they're passing are unconstitutional, really illegal, but they pass in them anyway. And if the country in general knew about jury nullification, knew that they could literally change laws by if someone may be guilty of breaking that law, but if it's a bad law, they find him innocent, and this changes yes. the law. We're huge. I'm a huge fan of jury nullification. We've talked about it quite a bit on this program, and great call. Thank you for making it. We appreciate yeah, hearing right. from you. 800-259-9231. We've talked a number of times on Free Talk Live about FIJA, the Fully Informed awesome. Jury Association. Yeah. Uh, FIJA.org is their website, F-I-J-A.org. It's such great. a simple thing, too. Right. It's a great place to get um, some real great information about what jury nullification is, how to actually nullify a jury if you can get on the jury. Um, but unfortunately, when you when you go through their website, you'll find out that it's a it's kind of depressing when you read about jury nullification because you know how badly things are stand right now, how poorly things are in the in the justice system. Right, that especially because they try their damnedest to keep any mention of jury nullification out of the courtroom. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I get pulled off a jury because. I mentioned jury nullification when we were given our instructions in Manchester District Court here in New Hampshire a number of years ago. And it was the most amazing thing was as if Rod Serling was watching my life because there had been an arrest uh, that I saw on television of a man who was operating a video slot machine in Manchester Mm -hmm. in the back room of his video store. And I said, oh, I'm doing jury jury duty in a few days. I wonder if that guy's case will be brought up. So they bring you in. They bring everyone into this one large room with a judge there and they hand you this little booklet or sheet of paper with your rights and duties as jurors and of course nowhere on there is there a mention (laughs) that the people can find someone not guilty if they think the law is unjust right that hasn't been mentioned in u.s courtrooms for decades and it is the final common law barrier against tyranny and it is also one of the reasons it's the final check on government you got it absolutely uh and it also ties in with why we give the legislature the power to impeach justices because the legislature is supposed to be closest to the people but that's another story as far as civics goes so i said there and I said, boy, how great would it be if I could get on that case? Well, I, I, I'm sitting there in this, in this instructional area and I get this thing and I raise my hand and the judge asks if anyone asks any, has any questions 
And I say, uh, yes, sir, Your Honor. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, I am familiar with the idea, the concept that uh, we as the people can find someone not guilty if we think the law is wrong, uh, but I don't see that noted here. You know, I'm standing up. You're done. Say, yeah, and he says, uh, well, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the man is correct. You can find someone not guilty if you feel the law is unjust. That is not on this uh, sheet of paper. And I was like, oh, I was going to say, why don't you put it on the stinking thing? But I just wanted to be cool. Wow, you got the judge to it to acknowledge yeah, that yeah, publicly? Yeah, it was amazing. I don't know what his name was, but he needed he deserved some credit at least for that. And the interesting thing was after that they split us off all into separate rooms where we'd be selected for the juries for various cases. Mm-hmm. We go to the courtrooms. I sit down, I look over the defense table and it's that guy from the from the video case. Mm. He's there. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is the case. This is the guy." And sure enough, boom, they picked me. I'm up on the jury. I'm one of the people in the jury box, but, of course, prosecutors and defending attorneys can pull, I don't know how many... Yeah, the voir dire process. Exactly. They pulled the prosecution, saw what I had done, and they pulled me off. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm surprised you made it into the courtroom. (laughs) It was amazing. Because, I don't know, maybe it's done differently here in New Hampshire, but I had been called down for uh, jury duty, which, by the way, is a a kind of like a little mini draft. If you don't uh, go, then you get thrown in jail. Yeah. so I was drafted for jury duty, and that's okay with me because I like the idea of getting in there and secretly uh, yeah, nullifying a jury. Yeah. Because I've read the the, uh, the details on Fiji's website, and it's very clear. If you're open and honest about jury nullification during the jury selection process, you're done for. That's and I, I'm. It, you, it's even to the point where you can't even admit to reading liberty-oriented uh, literature because sometimes they'll ask you what magazines you subscribe to, that oh. sort of thing. You don't mention that you're in the Libertarian Party, or they're going to disqualify you. Wow. They want somebody in there who's not going to think. They want somebody who's going to follow what they tell them to do, and that's not what jury nullification's about. Hour three's coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Memorial Day edition of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Gar. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com, in case you're just tuning in. That's right. We're here in the studio providing you with live radio content That's right. on this Memorial Day, unlike pretty much every other radio show. Everybody else, yeah. they always use a holiday as an excuse to take the day off. When ah. I say... Holidays are days when a lot of people listen to the radio, especially a kind of a cookout-style holiday like Memorial Day is. People sitting around, inevitably there's a, there's a good chance there's going to be a boombox sitting out They've there. and more people time to relax. I'm glad I'm here. I've been looking forward to this all day. And what, all better way, what better way to spend an evening with the family than to have Free Talk Live on there in the den? Huh? That's right. And in fact, look at the look at the calls we've been getting tonight, Guard. You and I both had show prep tonight. You got it. Have you gotten to a single issue? No. I haven't done any of my show prep either. Not which at all. It's great because that's the way Free Talk Live is supposed to work. Actually, I did to... I did hit one that British thing, the British uh, British Highway thing. That's, that's one true. Thing but you I just kind of slipped that one. Yeah, in. I slipped that in. That's a good point. Right. Uh, but we've been loaded up with calls all night, and yeah. it's a holiday, yeah. right? So here we go. 800-259-9231, rolling right into the phone calls. Let's talk to, it is Sam in Texas on the amplifier line. Hey, Sam. Sam in Texas? Do we have Sam? Can you hear me? Hey, I got Sam. you, Sam. I, I, I apologize. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about a few things I read or I listened to in a great audio book 
called A Long Walk to Freedom, written oh. by Nelson Mandela. Wow. And uh, it's read by Danny Glover, and pretty sure you can get it on uh, Amazon.freetalklive.com right in. Okay, I'm sure you is can. That, <laughs> is that before or after Danny Glover made a film deal with Hugo Chavez? I don't uh, know. But it anyway. was done in the 90s, I think, but uh, it's excellently spoken. Uh, anyway, for him, it was a number of years before he decided to take a violent course to bring about freedom uh, for the South African people. And uh, they started out, he was just speaking out against the government, and what they did was passed laws and court decisions that forbid him from talking to more than two people. He's a lawyer. Uh, how he can you know, not talk to a group of more than two people at a time kind of makes it hard for him to make his living. Sure. He can't go to rallies and events and things like that. So all that was restricted, and he would get thrown in jail regularly, uh, and he was still nonviolent. So then at one point, it got so bad that uh, he was rounded up with about 20 other men, and they were put into a cell that was so small they were standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, no room to lay down. They were kept in there for over 24 hours. It was dark, uh, freezing cold, I believe, and the bathroom was a hole in the middle of the cell. Nice. And then they were all forced to stay awake. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, oh, boy. Yeah. And so, you know, at that point, that's when he started researching, you know, other revolutionaries. People started turning up dead and disappearing, and the government just started doing whatever it really wanted to. Mm. And that's when he started researching and decided to take a a guerrilla warfare tactic as his last resort. And so he started going to other countries in Africa and asking for donations and help. And they would, you know, sometimes turn him down, and then later at the hotel there would be a delivery with suitcases full of money and, you know, weapons and that sort of thing. So what eventually turned the tide, uh, he believes, is uh, this is over 17 years or 20 years that it took, uh, was getting international support and being well-known for his struggle and what he was all about, and that put international pressure on for change, and that's what did it. Hmm. So Okay. Uh, I don't know what uh, guard any comments on that. I'm I'm not very familiar with the situation. Yeah, I have I have a lot of mixed feelings about Nelson Mandela, particularly with his wife Minnie, because uh, I know how closely allied he was with the communists. I have a, a deep seated ill will towards anybody who believes in communism, except for a certain few personal friends. But those who are uh, attached to the state, they drive me up the wall. And uh, I think Nelson Mandela, uh, personally, he's seen as a saint by a lot of people, but. Uh, I don't know. I I can't think that he was that oblivious to the things that his wife believed in, like necklacing. They have her on videotape talking about necklacing. What, what is that? Uh, they throw a tire around a tire filled with kerosene around somebody's neck and uh, light it on fire. They tie the person's arms at at his side and uh, kill him. And oh. so, of course, and she was, you know. In, in, in implicated in, in the death of uh, soccer players. She was a, a real thug. So I know that he Why were they killing soccer players? Uh, it's, it's a long story. It had to do with uh, different groups within, the, uh, within the, the movement of the ANC there. But the ANC was very closely tied to, uh, to communism in, in the Soviet vein, the Soviet Union, for a long time, which is one of the reasons why everybody was so upset that the Reagan administration wouldn't more forcefully come out against, uh, against apartheid and things like but, that. No, also, so, Gart, wasn't there dissension within the ANC and yeah, that's where the, the yeah, ANC exactly. split off because 
he he wasn't happy with their guerrilla warfare and their Well, that's tactics. it, and I, I don't really know enough about it, but I think you make a good point. I think Nelson Mandela uh, probably, eventually he did move away from his wife and, and those other factions within the ANC, but I, I'm not quite sure I can't speak uh, with enough authority on it to say, well, okay, you know, I, I can either be uh, outright hostile towards Mandela or say that he was a saint. I'm just not sure, but I know one thing. His wife was a, a real, there was a five-letter word to describe her character, as public enemy would say, and it's a good thing she went to jail. Okay, and I would say overall he brought out really a pretty amazing change and step forward in yeah. uh, South Africa. All right. Very good, Sam. Thanks for you the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You know, with with calls like that, when we we talk about history, I mean, I know something about history of America, but when it comes to the history of uh, of other countries around the world, I'm I'm in the dark. Well, you know, one you know? of the things that drives me crazy, Ian, is like particularly when I was in college, that was the big that was the big issue bon mot out there uh, in in BU. All the left wingers, all the celebrities, everybody was you know there was the free Nelson Mandela song that that I think the specials and one other group did, uh, and everybody was they were all just. It just fawning adoration for Nelson Mandela, and I thought to myself, yeah, I don't know, you know, there's something about having all the left wing people uh, in favor of this guy that sort of rubbed me the wrong way. So I never really jumped aboard completely with Nelson Mandela. I thought, well, you know, I don't know, and, and I didn't really get involved with that because I thought I don't want to get close to what those left wingers are pushing so big time. I just sort of stayed away because I was a real, I was in with all the punk kids in college and everything, mm-hmm. and they were all just, they would just drool over Nelson Mandela and the ANC and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to get too close to that. Yeah, I, I mean. Again, look at the people that uh, we've had a couple examples now tonight uh, from callers of violent revolutionaries and some of their tactics. Mm. And we've been sort of off and on talking about the difference between nonviolent revolution and violent revolution and how you and I guard, at least, and here on Free Talk Live, we support nonviolent yeah. revolution. We support uh, civil, dis- civil disobedience, things like that. And some of our callers have been, sort of been bringing up examples in history where of, of violent revolutionaries. And, you know, these guys aren't likable. I mean, Nelson Mandela, right? Communist? Well, you know, that's the thing. I think Nelson Mandela was able to separate, as the caller indicated, Nelson Mandela himself, with his background and his, his it seems, unfair imprisonment and uh, and things like that. And then there's the story of Biko. Uh, that it seems that he was able to uh, convince people of his sincerity and his 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 peaceful goals of just trying to change things in South Africa mm-hmm. uh that uh the the violent thing he wasn't he didn't have to go completely over that way he, I, I think there was a it seems like he was on a precarious balance for a while he had that one group within the ANC maybe his wife was associated with these people he could have been very badly tarred and feathered along those lines but in the end there was a nonviolent change in Africa and I, I think that came about because Nelson Mandela had a fairly good image among all these people outside of Africa. And that goes that goes back to what the caller was saying about the international pressure. Yeah, basically. Right, right the international pressure. Um so it's 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 fascinating and I I'd, I'd love to to be able to read some more about it, but there's so many other issues that have been pressing that I haven't been able to really do much reading on that at all. I've sort of never even I haven't thought too much about that for years. Sure, and you wonder how uh how things will change here as far as you know, as our movement, the liberty movement, becomes more and more visible and more successful, hopefully, in what we're trying to do, especially here in New Hampshire, 
you know, how the rest of the world will look at that, yeah. um, especially considering that now instead of uh, instead of relying on the old media to promote your message or to communicate your message, which is not very effective, now we can do it ourselves. Now we can create our own media. Now we can distribute it on our own. We've got the Internet, and people can link directly into us instead of having to go through some sort of media man who's going to sully your image in some way. <laughs> and so, th- you know, th- all of the rules are changing. And everything's going to be different this time. So let's be as nonviolent as possible. 800-259-9231. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features for free, including the wiki. Over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. It is CJ in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, CJ. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good, Great. man. What's on your mind? Finally, uh, it's finally good to get to call in once when uh, Garth's on. I know I, I hadn't uh, ever gotten to call in when he's on before. So. Well, thanks Bye. a lot. I appreciate you doing it, too. It's, I don't know if you said Garth or Guard, but it's Guard. Gar- I, I thought it was Gart. As in Gardner. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. My mistake. Not a problem. Um, I want to tell you about an interesting conversation I had on Skype the other day. Okay. Uh, you know uh, Duco, he's called in about the intellectual property thing? Yeah, I don't recall. Uh, well, anyway, he, uh, he, called, he, he and I were on Skype, and we got in a conversation with a lady from China. Huh. And uh, it was my first time to actually uh, speak to anyone in China while they were there. And hmm. she was very, very curious about America and our system and... And uh, we kind of got into starting and talking about um, the way the, the governments are structured and, you know, the different kinds of freedoms that we have and, and what, you know, how our constitution is structured. And we, we had about a two-hour conversation with this woman. It was fascinating Neat. to get to talk to somebody who not, basically, like, who had never heard about the American system realistically and who was just totally fascinated by our concepts of freedom and, and uh, you know, the ability to, you know, own firearms and, and, and write what you wanted about the government and things like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, gun control, we had about a half-hour conversation just about, gun, you know, guns, and, you know, it, it blew her mind that not only did we could own firearms, but both of us do own firearms and regularly go out and hunt with them. And, <laughs> and uh, it, was just, it was just really fascinating to get to talk to somebody because it gave you kind of perspective as an American on – even though things are so, you know, bad here, how much better we have it than a lot of other people. Sure. It's and, amazing. Uh, That's a perspective that a lot of Americans don't have the opportunity to get, and I guess now more are getting it because of the Internet. And so, right. I mean, were it, it not for it, the Internet, you never would have been able to talk to this lady. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it is fascinating because somebody, even, even though she knew so little about the way things were here, she had heard, she'd heard enough to know that, that there was something that, that we have that they don't, 
and she was very fascinated by it and wanted to know why, you know, why we thought the government was not about protecting us on everything and why we thought maybe the community, you know, we, we, so we talked about ideas of, you know, how the individual is, is important. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it, it was just really, it was almost like a, a breath of fresh air to get to talk to somebody who had not only never heard these concepts before, but was totally open to hearing them. Hmm. You know, isn't it interesting that the corrosive nature of government, it had totally erodes for almost entire generations sometimes, the ability of people to believe in themselves and their own ability. I ran into a woman from uh, St. Petersburg, uh, formerly Leningrad, and um, and she said that in Russia... The older people were very, very afraid of the change because they thought they were going to lose whatever assistance they had. In the meantime, these are the people who were lining up to try to get one potato that was in a store. You know, yeah. they, 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 the government has this uncanny ability to be able to indoctrinate people and propagandize people to say, oh, well, if it weren't for us, things would be so much worse, you know? Well, yeah, one of the things she asked us about was, you know, she said, do people like, you know, do young people, whenever they get out of school, do they move to the cities looking for jobs? And I said, well, I mean, I guess some people do, but you get actually a lot of people moving out of the cities, away from the cities, mm. and that blew her mind because there, there's no city, there's no, there's no work outside of the cities. It, right, except all, for farming, basically. Right, and, and, and it just, it, she, she had trouble grasping the idea of living in a town of even like 10,000 people and being content and able to have a job and the fact that we have technology that has inundated our culture to the point where you have big box stores in a town of 10,000 people and you you've got you know the ability to you know watch whatever channels you want yeah and you know she she I actually gave her some ideas on some ways through the internet that she could watch some American TV clips because mm -hmm. Or at least I gave her some ideas. I don't know how well China blocks their. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, well, think. Just think about this. I mean, the idea that this woman in China on is Skype. talking yeah. on Skype to a couple of Americans. These Americans putting these crazy libertarian yeah. ideas into her yeah. head and, and her absorbing all of it. There's no way that the Chinese government would have been aware, aware of that. Right, and there's no way to you know the internet's been a wonderful tool in that regard to spread yeah. the ideas of liberty to, pla to places that would have it would been decades before. And yeah. we know we know that uh, there are, there are definitely unfiltered uh, internet access points in China. There are black market internet cafes essentially that have that sort of thing. She was telling us about black market television there because all of the television in China is state run, mm -hmm. um, and they don't allow like HBO, CNN in China. But there are people that use I guess satellites to illegally access them. Sure. And and how it's it's. It's a really big deal that a lot of the people in the, or the, a certain number of people in the cities have access to. And she, I mean, she named them, you know, HBO and CNN, mm. and how huh. people really are interested in these things, and how you know, and and uh, another thing is she was fascinated by the idea of comedy, that we have comedy here that critiques the government. That's you know, interesting. South Park and 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 stand up comedy. I talked about. You got into you know, all that. Stand up comedians, and she she had never even heard of. You know, stand-up comedians like that, that. It was just totally foreign to wow. the idea that you could have somebody get up in a crowd full of people, and people go to watch and pay 
to listen to somebody make fun of the president. You know, that's the only reason I think we should have politicians right now, in my eyes, to be made fun of for, for jokes. That's, yeah. that's about it for me. That's and, amazing. And, yeah, and, she, and it was just really cool to get to talk to somebody. It was, it was sad, yeah. but it was also really cool because it, was, it, it gave you a perspective. It also kind of gave you some, some hope that there are people out there that really do care about this stuff. Even Right, know, and, even and though it, she was raised in the Chinese indoctrination system, in this communist uh, place, that she was open-minded enough still to really want to explore these other options out there. And I think that's really cool because, I mean, there are, there are enough examples here in America of, you know, your standard American nationalist who doesn't want to hear anything that's contradictory to, uh, you know, the way he was raised and the way he thinks the country should be. And we get a lot of sort of ignorance. Not to say that I'm sure there are plenty of Chinese people that have that sort of right. nationalist ignorant mentality, but it's just good to know that even under that level of indoctrination and control, that there are still at least somewhat independent thinkers, people that are willing to listen to uh, to the other side and 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 ex- right. explore it, that they want to learn about it. That's cool, man. CJ, any th- uh, final thoughts? Uh, her biggest thing that she was amazed by was because we have so many media sources, she wanted to know, how do you know what the truth is if the government doesn't tell you what the truth is? You get to decide for said, yourself. We use critical thinking. We use, you know, uh, we examine evidence. Well, most we of some of us do. Not all well, of us. More well, on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the live Memorial Day edition. It's Ian here with you. And Gar. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site completely free, including the bulletin board system. We've got over 235,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting, lots to talk about there. And uh, it is a lot of fun, and it's for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people... They all want your money, home, and car. And what have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. So go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets at KeepYourAssets.net. Well, finally, finally, Guard, we, uh, oh, yeah. we get to the topic uh, that is appropriate to talk about on this Memorial Day edition, and that, sure. of course, is Memorial Day. Yeah. As our listeners, uh, those of you who have been listening for a long time to the show know, we typically don't let a Memorial Day go by without actually discussing what Memorial Day is and why people, they don't really completely understand what they're doing today. I guess that's kind of a generic way to describe what we're going to do here. But I think we should start by by reading some of the, the news coverage that is sort of put out there on Memorial Day. And the story here is from the AP. It's about President Bush and how he's honoring U.S. troops and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's uh, from the AP. President Bush on Monday honored U.S. troops who have fought and died for freedom and expressed his steely resolve to succeed in the war in Iraq. As saying, quote, As before in our history, Americans find ourselves under attack and underestimated, he said. Now, well, there's more to the story, <laughs> but just to dissect the first paragraph here, 
Um, I don't know about you, guard, but I don't feel as though I'm under attack from terrorists. No, and I didn't know we were at war. You know, it's an interesting thing. If we're at war, President Bush, then why did you send thousands of National Guard troops to the border to supposedly protect our borders, and you didn't give them any arms? If we're at war, then what is it with this immigration thing that is getting so many conservatives ticked off at you that they want you to do certain things and you're not doing it? If we're at war, the nation would be somehow in danger. If we were at war, we would have declared war. Yeah, that was never done. It hasn't yeah. been done since, uh, was it uh, World, World War, War II? II? Exactly. So that's uh, technically we're not in war, but of course that won't stop the government people from continuing to reiterate the idea because they understand the rules of propaganda, and that yeah. is if you repeat the same thing over and over again, that inevitably people will believe it to be true. You got it. Uh, also, right, uh, right here in the front of the article, he honored U.S. troops who fought and died for freedom. Well... I I just don't know if there really ever were any U.S. troops that fought and died for freedom. I know that's that was just going to say outrageous. That's, that's a fascinatingly loaded statement. Yeah, and, it, and first of all, for, uh, the the first first two words he honored. Okay, honoring troops. Do you really show troops honor by putting them into harm's way in another country? And we we won't even talk about the rationale. On Iraq, if mm. people believe, you know, we can talk about that in a, a few sentences down the line or whatever. But if do you truly honor the troops if you disrespect the mechanism which gives you the power to command the troops, the United States Constitution, which mm. you swear an oath to uphold? And as I have noted before, the only thing in the U.S. Constitution for which the troops can be used is when they have declared war in Congress. And I hate to make this a sticking point, but they do not if they are so facile that they don't respect the constitutional parameters under which the troops can be used by declaring war then how can he honor anyone and then we get to the second That's part of that question. sentence it's it's impossible it is a an impossibility doesn't that mean by by definition, that he's constantly dishonoring the troops? Precisely. He is constantly dishonoring the troops. That's a great statement. And it's not that loaded a statement, Ian. It is absolutely right. And then the second half of the sentence, I'll let you just roll with it. Because it's a it's an excellent point, fighting for freedom. Right. Well, I mean, if you want to call in and, and give me an example of, an, of where the United States military was utilized to defend the freedom of the United States of the American people, I'd love to hear from you. I think Mark mentioned, like, uh, the War of 1812, and I'm not mm -hmm. too familiar, familiar with that, right. but let's, yeah. ta let's take the 20th century, okay? Anything in the 20th century where the U.S. Uh, military was used to keep Americans' freedom uh, intact? I, I, maybe I just can't think of it. If you can, 1-800-259-9231. I mean, you can go down the list. World, uh, Woodrow Wilson get in, uh, got into World War I. Mm -hmm. He was elected on a keep-us-out-of-war platform. The right. reason he was elected was to keep America out of World War I because Americans at that time, and, and I think they still are, I think most Americans are, are anti-war. They don't like the idea of sending their brothers and sisters off uh, into some foreign land to die in the dirt somewhere. Sure. Uh, for for no reason whatsoever, right. or so, for some political reasons, or some reasons that you know a, a select group of congressmen might want uh, to happen, or the, in this case the president. Uh, so World War One, Woodrow Wilson got us into that war for whatever political reasons he wanted to. Who knows? Maybe he wanted a legacy or 
seems to be a seems to be popular with presidents. They understand that history will write uh, highly of them if they get into oh, a war. Oh yes. Uh, we learned that with with Lincoln and yet another war, yet another horrible yeah. war. That, the uh, war, oh, the, the the war between the states, the war to end all wars. Mm. Uh, you know, you it's something that I, I want to bring up. This is neither antagonistic what you're saying, and nor is it naive. You know, many people might say. Well, what a silly statement to say that we when have we fought for freedom in the 20th century? What about World War II? What about World War I? We fought for the freedom of this. But you say, when have we fought for the freedom, the, the, essen- the essential freedom of the American people? And that is what we're looking at here. Right. I, I, re- I really honestly want to know it. 800-259-9231. So you got World War I, which uh, Woodrow Wilson lied to get us into. Right. Uh, then, of course, you could very easily make the argument that had America not gotten into World War I, the scales would not have been tipped so heavily. The, uh, the, the German Kaiser would not have been ex- exiled. Uh, it would not have paved the way for a, a strongman dictator like Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Theoretically... World War II never would have happened had America not gotten into World War I. Yeah. Had we just let the world deal with its own damn problems, and we just stayed here being, uh, having our nice economy and neutral. Be, creating things uh, it, it, and remaining a of, neutral. A lot of people say, well, America couldn't have been neutral. We, it, it wouldn't have happened. We, we would have had to pick sides sooner or later. Well, you no, know. Not if we had uh, heeded the warnings of the Founding Fathers. That's right. Who made it George very Washington's clear. Washington's final address. Man. Made it very clear that alliances were not something this country was to get behind. Avoid entangling alliances. And, and you know, as, as, uh, as mixed as George Washington's record is. Uh, in sort of centralizing things a little bit more than I would have liked it to to have been centralized. Uh, he had many redeeming, many, many redeeming qualities that are often overlooked, and one of them is, and I'm not saying that people think badly of George Washington, they love George Washington, but mm-hmm. uh, real freedom lovers know that he had a sort of checkered past with uh, things like the um, um, uh, things like the uh, Whiskey Rebellion and things like that. He had slaves too, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. Right. And um, so, but um, he was right. You know, don't, don't cause your country to get involved in alliances that have nothing to do with your country. Use your troops to protect. If you're going to have national borders and you want to be sovereign, use your troops to protect your national borders. Don't have your troops going out working in favor of other countries for whatever yep. the reason. Now, because you're inevitably going to make somebody else angry around the world and could create an enemy for yourself that you'll have to fight for all eternity. Now, some people say, no, 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 that's naive. Because, look, you have, for example, the domino theory. Uh, now, I happen to think that... Were the communists? Uh, yeah, the communists. And, and you know, there was a big debate for a long time between those people who said that uh, the anti-communists were just all wrong, they had no clue, and people like Robert Conquest, who were talking about the millions of people who were being killed by the communists, the communists planned to try to take over warm water ports to get minerals and eventually try to topple the United States. Those guys, as crazy as it sounds, were right. The latter people were right. The individuals like Robert Conquest were correct in the number of people. In fact, the number of people he thought were being killed by the Soviets uh, were, was low compared to what was actually being ha- actually happening. Now, that doesn't mean we should go in and try to take care of the Soviets, but their plan to try to get the U.S. was right. Now, does that mean that we should have gone into Vietnam? Does that mean oh. that we should have, you know... I mean, anybody that understood communism should have understood that it didn't require uh, it didn't require intervention on behalf of the United States. That communism would inevitably collapse upon itself, as it is does done every single time. Eventually, we'll come back with more. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And your thoughts as well. Can you name the war in the twentieth century that actually defended the freedom of Americans? I'd love to hear it.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free uh, toll line. Only moments remain, though, so just enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. It is a live Memorial Day edition. You can join us online, as always, at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Over 380 of our listeners have done this. It's as little as 3 bucks a month. That's all we're asking you for. And basically, it's a voluntary option. You can enjoy all the features on our website for free. Go ahead, mooch off of us. It's not a problem. But if you want to uh, support the show, you want to help Free Talk Live get on more radio stations around the country and thereby spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide and as fast as possible, then you should really amp the show. You get some perks. You get access to the amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only uh, chat room and forum uh, but most importantly, you know that you're helping Free Talk Live really reach out to more new radio stations and get new people listening to this show, and it's making a difference. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what that's all about. So we're talking about Memorial Day. That is, of course, today, and, and as usual on Memorial Day, you get the inevitable bunch of politicians utilizing their, uh, their, their podiums. They get up behind podiums, and they speak about the soldiers and the troops and fighting for freedom and you know all these old sort of cliches. Um, the idea that American troops even fight for freedom is, I think, a little bit inaccurate. Um, it seems to me that the American military... The United States military is utilized for political purposes by President Bush, by President Clinton, by President Bush, by President Reagan, by President Carter. By I mean, you can just go down the line of all of these different conflicts and so-called wars. Of course, we haven't had a war for real since World War II. You go down the line of all these util- utilizations of the American military, and you'll see that none of them was for the actual defensive purposes of defending Americans' freedom. And you know, Ian, I think there are different levels of anger and frustration you can feel about that and at different areas where people might agree or might disagree, obviously, whatever the conflict might be. Uh, but uh, there are some very clear things. Like We were talking about the, the communist days, and uh, some people have said, well, look, you know, the domino theory was right. And so, therefore, we had to get involved because really when uh, the Soviets invaded country X, that was really part of a plan to eventually knock out the United States, and we had to do something. Um, it's the same sort of argument they're making about Iraq uh, today, except uh, regarding fundamentalist Islam mm-hmm. and, and things like that and terrorism. Uh, but there are some very clear examples, I think, uh, and one of them is, is World War II. And I, I just want to mention, you know, off the air, you and I were chatting a little bit. When I was at Borders yesterday, I ran into a very, very elderly man, and he was very, very frail. And he was, he literally had, uh, his nose was running, he had a drop on the end of his nose when I walked by him. He mm-hmm. was sort of standing there, tiny guy. And, um, and as I walked by him, you know, my dad was a World War II vet, and, um, and I saw him grow older. He was about 50 when I was born. And, and, and uh, so anyway, I saw this man, and I sort of thought, yeah, I bet he was in World War II. So I went up and I, I chatted with the man, and uh, I think there's a difference between studying the policies of what gets some of these guys in there. It gets many of them to volunteer. They want to defend the United States. They want to do the right thing, and many of them think they are doing the right thing. It's a noble thing. But sometimes when you study the rationale behind it later, you realize, oh, Roosevelt wasn't so noble in getting all these guys in there. Uh, maybe the end result, some people think, hey, they stopped the Nazis. Well, could the Nazis have been stopped? Would they have been stopped? I don't know. But the mechanism that was used to get some of these guys in there 
was completely dishonest. Absolutely. And and this man and, and they didn't know it at the time. So I mean, right. it's understandable where their mindset where their mindset comes from. And the and the and the misinformation has been reinforced. I mean, year after year with yeah. holidays like Memorial Day, which are designed to reinforce these uh, misconceptions and misunderstandings about the American military. I have mixed feelings about Memorial Day because I look at a guy like that guy and I think. You know, I want to acknowledge the sacrifice that this man made and that so many other people made at that time. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine putting my boots down on some foreign land in some weird area, getting bullets, you know, round shot at me and knowing the guy next to me just got his head blown off. You know, and and um, and he's, you know, or I'm on fire, or it's crazy. Right. No stuff, one should know? have to be in that position. Right. right, and that's the thing that troubles me the most is. You know, I'm talking with this man, and he was he was very nice. And I said, "Were you?" You know, I went back over to him. I almost walked by him. Then I went back over, and I said, "Excuse me, uh, are you a vet?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Were you in World War II?" He said, "Yes, I was." He said, "How did you know?" And I didn't want to say, "Well, it was because I saw how old you were." I just figured, you know, you were this age, and so on. So I just I I happened to catch. I caught a glimpse on his hat. He had the Navy insignia, and I said, "Oh, I saw your Navy insignia." My dad was in in the Pacific too. So we started talking a little bit, and it was amazing because we connected on music. We talked about Benny Goodman and the swing era and stuff, and I love that stuff. And it was weird because I'm I'm thinking about this guy. He lived. He had a family, and so many of his buddies, you know, guys he probably played basketball with or, or looked at fireworks with on the 4th of July, mm-hmm. they were blown out, you know. And, they didn't and, make it. Yeah, and you right. think, okay, the sacrifice, we don't want to think that their sacrifice was for naught. And sometimes people, it's not that they rationalize, it's that they find the positive of it and they sort of overlook some of the negative things too often. Sure, who wants to feel badly? Right, right. And and it's a strange thing to talk about it because on a day like this, if you do bring it up, people will say, well, you're, you're disrespecting their service. And it's like, no, well, hold on a second. I'm trying to sort of have a balanced view where personally I acknowledge and I recognize what these guys did and the, the, the terrible things they went through. I can't even imagine. And I want to show respect for those types of things. But at the same time, I know that Roosevelt, I'm 99% sure, set us up and got us into World War II because he was buddies with Churchill Mm -hmm. and he wanted to help out England. Now, people can argue over the rationale of that, whether or not it was in our best interest, in the United States' interest, to get involved in, in in the European conflict. But we know one thing. Roosevelt set up an embargo. He They have communicates between Roosevelt and Churchill. He said, I'll do anything I can to get us in the war. I don't know what it'll be, but I'll do something. He sure did it. Yes. He set up an oil embargo to stop Japan from getting getting fuel, which incited the Japanese. We had no conflict with the Japanese before that. Then they broke the Japanese code. He pulled the fleet away from Pearl Harbor, the, the biggest ships, the most valuable ships. He took them out of Pearl Harbor, and he took them away from their regular areas of surveillance where they knew the Japanese were coming. And, right. and you mentioned the embargo, which which prevented uh, Japanese oil from, wasn't it, uh, it was a financial sort of blockade, wasn't it? Well, there was, there was an oil embargo, and they, they, were, they were basically, they couldn't move. They had to do something because they were in a battle against the Chinese. So, you know, their, their livelihoods, their lives are being threatened because they couldn't get their oil. And then, as I mentioned, uh, you can get, there's a great book from the Von Mises Institute. I've got it over here. It's called Reassessing the Presidency. Go to von Mises, go to Mises.org. But um, there are contemporaneous accounts of guys who worked in the White House, who, who wrote in their diaries at the time that 
they were in the Oval Office shortly after Pearl Harbor, and Roosevelt said, quote, I knew people were going to die, but I didn't know this many people would die. You know, if anything, and we've got to go to the phones here in a moment, but if anything, Memorial Day should really be a day to remember how politicians manipulate people into supporting these sorts of wars of aggression around the world. And, it's, and the fact that these people had to lose their lives for this is really true tragedy. And they should be remembered for, for, the, idea, uh, for the fact that they were just simply they were confused by the propaganda. They thought they were doing the right thing. They honestly did. In their heart of hearts, they believed they were fighting for freedom. Turns out, that just wasn't the case. I'm sorry that that wasn't the case. I'm sorry that these hundreds of thousands of people had to die. They didn't have to. If we didn't have these warmongering politicians, hundreds of thousands of Americans would have lived back in the 1940s. Mm. And they would have gone on to have healthy, happy lives with families and, and creating products and services. And our economy might be so much better as a result of that. But no, they all had to go and die for some political cause. And I think it's that's the true tragedy. And that's what should be remembered on Memorial Day is that, you know, all of these lies were given up for political ends. I have mixed feelings about it myself. Yeah. Oh, man, it's really gets it's it's really just truly sad. Let's go to Josh in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Josh. Hey, and um I just I guess I got a question kind of to go along with this. Um I kind of disagree on the whole uh we can't fight for freedom in other countries thing. Um my question is we value freedom and liberty and believe every human uh is entitled to freedom and liberty. Yes. What responsibility do we bear if we are the ones in power with the power to free someone else, such as the Jews who were being slaughtered in World War II? Uh, what responsibility do we have? Well, you, first of all, you first of all, we don't have any sort of responsibility. There's no collectivist we. That just doesn't exist. And secondly, um, if you want to go and fight a war uh, on whatever side you want to fight, you know, to free the Jews or whatever, uh, then you should be free to go ahead and join those militaries or free to send your money over to those efforts. But you can't fight for freedom by restricting and infringing upon other people's freedom. So even if you've got the most wonderful little war effort that you want to support, by forcing me to support it, you aren't supporting my freedom. You're attacking my freedom to supposedly go and fight for freedom uh, for the other people's freedom around the world. And so you can't fight for freedom if you're destroying freedom in the process. It's right. it's contradictory. And thanks for the call. Hey, Gar, hey. we're done, man. Oh. It's been Ian here with you. And Gard, thanks, Ian, very and, uh, much. And once again, Gardner's website is libertyconspiracy.com. Visit thanks. him there and visit us online at freetalklive.com. And we'll be back tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 